Last time, we heard of the aftermath of Henry's death, his will, and the succession of his son, Edward VI. Now we move on, as Edward begins a series of reforms, and the country rises up in revolt against him and his Lord Protector. We've uh, mentioned that, uh, that Edward is, is a reforming king, and it's certainly in terms of religious reforms, but there are definitely other issues, social issues in his reign, which should be talked about, and one of the... Yes key things i think is the issue of enclosures so mm. during edward's reign uh, there is an increasing amount of uh, landowners who um wish to turn over previously public land to private property in order to make uh, larger sheep enclosures wool is a not a cash crop but a cash product a product that earns a lot more money than regular um arable um crop farming uh, for poorer soil. So, uh, slightly richer gentry, of which there is an increasing number in England at the time, are bring starting to, to... Bring us back to that self-made gentry being the um, unpopular class at this point. Self-made at this point means you've probably enclosed most of your land, mm. you've probably turfed quite a few people off your land, mm-hmm. you are making the rest of them pay rent to you as a landlord. Yeah. Um, it's... Uh, a somewhat indirect consequence of the dissolution of the chantries as well. There, There is suddenly a lot more public land available yes. uh, that has gone into the hands of the lay people. Mm-hmm. And the lay people are like, well, we no longer have this duty uh, to the people that the archbishops, mm, to a greater or lesser extent, had um, or even cared about. Um, so now we just want to make a profit from our land. How yeah. are we going to make a profit from our land? Well, the... S- the traditional method of serfdom isn't cutting it. So what's the How next about step? sheep farming? <laughs> well, what, yeah, the next step is we make the serfs pay us. Hmm. And to be fair, this isn't, we're not just talking about, um, the enclosure of some public parks or, or, of which, which, or not some random, thing. um, farmed land. We're talking about, uh, destroying villages, um, kicking people off the land or, as Matthew says, uh, making them pay to stay on the land and we're also talking about uh, even the ones that stayed were in a lesser number than before because you need less farmers half the point of sheep farming as well as it being more lucrative was that you needed less people uh, you didn't need all the pe- all the farmhands to gather in the harvest um, as you do with, with wheat or similar crops uh, to, so- to add to this uh, the Seymour uh, um, in one of his worst worst moves of his entire regency um has also uh put up the poll tax on mm-hmm. sheep at this point so um the people who are being affected worse by this are being affected from two directions they have uh, this class of landlords that are directly hitting them and then they have this seemingly two-faced regent who they are beginning to uh, come around to the idea of him not being uh the sort of real uh, the man of the people that perhaps yeah the man of the people because on the one hand he's saying that there's uh, he, he puts out the proclamation saying that there should be no illegal enclosures mm. um in fact one of the rebellions at this time the ket's rebellion um the ket rebellion is founded on the idea that they're not actually rebelling mm-hmm. because that all they were doing was uh, to, from their point of view tearing down illegal enclosures yeah so this is interesting because Seymour actually sends out commissioners to investigate uh, these illegal enclosures. And when they find that there are these you know, gentry enclosing land illegally, uh, 
there are groups of common people that have been affected by this who basically take it into their own hands to deal out justice and they do so Although, by destroying fences and and um basically trying to reverse the enclosure of the land particularly um, amusing though in a in a classic uh, british history twist um it's not quite so simple um that they head out to deal with one uh Fitzpatch no not Fitzpatrick Fitz Fitzwander I think Fitzwander right. Fitzwander um and uh this this man is one of the members of the clergy that's managed to retain his land uh, and st- some of his money and they go to his land to break his fences down and uh he comes out talks to them and bribes them uh, <laughs> telling them to go to Ketsland instead yeah. and knock his fences down. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the farm uh-huh. over. Um, they promptly take the bribe and yeah. go to knock Ket's fences down. <laughs> Ket comes out, talks to them with, uh, I think the quote was, uh, with vigor and vim, uh, his vulgar manner meant that he was confident enough that they considered them, considered him their leader and lord. Wow. Um, so he talks them out of it and promptly, tells them that they've got a point, he'll help them knock down his fences as long as they come with him and knock down that idiot Fitzwinder's fences as well. <laughs> this has a very uh, comedy sketch air about mm, it. Honestly. It very much is. Um, uh, clearly, they had some some sort of. You can almost on. you can almost see um, you can almost see the various noblemen opening their windows and, and Ket opening his window and sort of going massive crowds like he's not a messiah, he's just a very yeah. naughty boy. It's exactly <laughs> that situation. Um, <laughs> so he leads the people's uh, liberation front of Judea. Um, <laughs> over to Fitzwinder's land, knocks his fences down, um, and by this point, um, a- after they've knocked various fences down, um, they set up camp, and they get told by the local mayor um, that uh, them camping there is illegal, and also that they're wanted for knocking these fences down yeah. because Fitzwinder goes uh, to into Norwich and is like. Quite reasonably, my fences have been knocked down, and that idiot of a landowner who lives next to me is leading them. Yeah. <laughs> Promptly doesn't mention anything about how he tried to bribe them in the first place, um, to knock Cat's fences down. But yeah, so to zoom out a little from the perspective of the, um, Privy Council and the perspective of, of the sort of ruling classes in London, what they have is the beginnings of an armed rebellion. Although, uh, <laughs> although, although, at this point, at this specific point, it's barely on their radar. Yes, like their 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 initial response is rubbish. Um, that they, they they the the um that they they initially try to talk to them. Um, um, this is the point where Ket claims that uh, he's not a rebel because. He's not doing anything illegal. He's in fact enforcing the the, the Lord Protector's law. Um, at which point, uh, the Privy Council's response is to send someone who goes, "Right, okay, he did say that, but now <laughs> what we're saying <laughs> is that you are all rebels, mm. and if you stay here, you will be considered rebels. But I am entitled to magnanimously offer you pardon." To which they all com- like uh, promptly refused. <laughs> um, took delegates from the town that were sympathetic to their cause called the Hundreds, um, drew up 29 articles of delegation, uh, of which only one of them was even 
considered to be like the 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 rebellion is is growing at this point you're getting all sorts of disconsented people um there, there are various laws that have been enacted at this point um uh that people have have a, a grudge against there's a, a law against vagabonds um so that there's a article in their delegations that talks about how they should all be free people mm. uh, and they don't mean free completely free they mean they should just be allowed to move on because there's a law that allows a man to enslave a servant um if he mm-hmm. uh doesn't find another employment within three days of leaving his previous master yeah. which is viewed very harshly by everybody quite reasonably because it's horrible and not to mention another clever move from the Privy Council, particularly uh, the now Earl of Warwick, John Dudley, uh, is to debase the currency. That is, clip the coinage, uh, shave little bits off the coins, which yeah. causes inflation uh, because they put more money into circulation. It gives them some quick cash. Causes a run on the banks. But um, it's uh, it's a bad move. He, he hands it over to a financial expert uh, who does a really good job. Um, uh, and gets rid of most of Edward's debts. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, uh, so with this rebellion, uh, the government's initial response is to talk to them. Uh, then it becomes more of a revolution. So the government's... Uh, so the uh, same as the point, uh, response at this point is to send uh, the Duke of Northampton with 1,500 men. Um, because uh, by this point, they've been declared rebels. And because they've been declared rebels, Norwich has shut its gates... To which Cat Point Cat goes, oh dear, well, I can't feed all these people and we can't mm. leave without abandoning the cause, so I guess we're attacking Norwich. Yeah. Um, so they attack Norwich, uh, they take not, take a good half of Norwich, um, and uh, the Duke of Northampton is sent with his men, um, most of which are foreign. Mm-hmm. Like, they are the, the primarily, still at this point, it's primarily a mercenary based system. Um, they're not militia at all. Uh, this, this foreign, mostly foreign army led by, uh, hated gentry, um, is, uh, goes to Norwich and finds that they've abandoned the town because, uh, they know how hard it is to fight in the town. Um, they promptly occupy Norwich and then have exactly the same problem, um, that Norwich had defending itself which is it's really hard to defend all of Norwich <laughs> uh, because Norwich doesn't have walls all the way around. So they have a load of vicious street battles and are eventually pushed out of Norwich mm. um, by this rebellion that has now, by this point, become uh, near 8,000 strong. Yeah. And has now basically defeated a army. A sent, government army. Yeah. By yeah. The, so the, in the Privy Council. At this point, the Privy Council's like, Wait, hang on a second. Oh dear, that wasn't yeah. meant to happen. I suppose we need to <laughs> s- respond a little more seriously. So instead of like you know negotiating or um, giving sending giving, token mercenary forces, sending token mercenary forces, <laughs> this time they send a sledgehammer to crack a nut uh, and send uh, indeed fourteen thousand men mm-hmm. uh, under. Uh, we're getting back to Warwick again. Um, the Earl of Warwick, <laughs> John Dudley, uh, John Dudley, who uh, he is a power player, but. At this point, he is gaining influence. He hasn't quite got quite got there yet. Although uh, his role in successively dealing with this rebellion and Seymour's, uh, Seymour's role in starting the rebellion um, by his ill-advised will be words important. will be important <laughs> in a second. Um, so Warwick turns up with 14,000 men, um, doesn't make the same mistake uh, that Northampton does, um, and goes into Norwich uh, to... Uh, oh, well, he, 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 um, uh, manages to trick them, uh, tr- trick them out of Norwich. There's a bit of argy bargy in the streets. Um, but 
eventually, uh, after pushing them out of Norwich again, um, he takes the fight to them in a place that is quite difficult to find, uh, Dussendale, uh, where mm. in a pitched battle, uh, the rebellion just melts away. Yes. Yeah. Like, he takes loads of prisoners before this because, um, the rebellion was never an army to begin with. Mm. Um, but, but in an actual battle against 14,000 trained men, yeah. uh, it, it just doesn't, it, it fades away. So, the reason we're talking about the Cat Rebellion um, is because you will note that we have been saying, in all of this, the, the power players uh, in this uh, domestic rebellion have been Seymour, Dudley, the Privy Council. Have we been saying Edward? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he's, I mean, by, by 1549, um, he is 11. Yeah. He is allowed a, a certain amount of contact with matters of government that aren't mm. religious policy. He he has something called a, a royal council, um, which is uh, he he gets to nominate the members of it. It's like a working group, basically. Um, uh, but they only bring to his attention the matters that the king should be apprised of. Yes, which of course is whatever the hell the the privy council Seymour. and the other power players want the king to hear about. But notably, not probably. Some of these rebellions, but Edward oh, does uh, write about them, um, so yes. he, he was not completely blind, and it would have been no, difficult. He was aware of what was happening, although he he does think, uh, at least if we go by his written record, uh, Edward doesn't look at the wider view. Mm. Uh, he thinks that the reason the rebellion happens, uh, to quote him, is because uh, a few nobles put up a few fences in a pla- in a few places that they shouldn't have put them up, and yeah. they were then thrown over. Yeah. Um he doesn't I mean he is still pretty young but he doesn't he see is still the bigger young. bigger no. issues. I mean it it would have been hard for even adults at the time to have seen some of these wider issues. Yeah. Hindsight is 2020. 20. I mean Seymour um, doesn't. Yes, um, indeed. In fact, Seymour while he's dealing with these rebellions is also fighting a war with Scotland um and France. Uh, yes. The old alliance uh, beginning to work in his favor. Um, he wins. He 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 is a military veteran. He fought. Uh, he started the rough wing in Henry's reign, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and he's been fighting this war for a, a while. Yeah. Um, he wins and loses battles. Um, he wins Solway Moss. He burns Edinburgh. Uh, he loses at Ancrum Moor. Um, although the slaughter is great on both sides, and then he wins at Pinky Clough, which is. Uh, a strange battle, but pink is definitely the color that it runs that day because mm. uh, it is one of the bloodiest battles. Yeah. However, for he is a perfect example. He's the Rob Stark of this situation because he is the perfect example of winning all the battles and losing the war, managing to completely bungle the general situation. <laughs> yeah, he 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 completely overstretches himself. So we've mentioned how Somerset is somewhat uh, that is Seymour uh, is somewhat. Um, in favour of uh, laws against enclosures, for instance, and in generally, in some ways, uh, for the uh, in agreement with some of the rebels, he's mm. put in the difficult position where he is in somewhat agreement with some of the rebels' motivations, but he can't endorse uh, and he can't uh, uh, just sit idly by and let them do what they're doing, mostly from pressure from the gentry and the nobility who are quite alarmed at their actions and certainly once it gets to the point where they're sieging Norwich, you know it's it's out of his hands but he still he- it still makes him hesitate and he 
at one point even considers leading a force himself to deal with the rebellion and hesitates and decides not to. But these little hesitations cost time. Um, and, and they cost him his most important ally in the Privy Council. Um, after uh, the uh, handling of the Prayer Book Rebellion, uh, which we'll cover in a second, um, Paget, you remember Paget? Yeah, um, the principal secretary of Henry VIII who plotted with Seymour previously to... Uh, tells him... Every man of the council have misliked your proceedings. Mm -hmm. Would to God that at the first stir you had followed the matter hotly and caused justice to be ministered in solemn fashion to the terror of others. Basically, um, the council decided um, that uh, they were going to lay at Somerset's door uh, Seymour. He's become Somerset at this point because he's given himself a title. Yeah, he gives um, himself the dukedom of Somerset. <laughs> what, what, just casually, as you do. In any case, uh, at this point, um, and due to a couple of other failures, um, he's been fighting with his brother. Um, he, he, yeah. Thomas Seymour has been trying to... Uh, well, he's been trying to get power. He's been trying to get the same power that Edward it, Seymour has. Um, it seems to run in this ambitious streak. Definitely seems to run in the family. We've seen mm. Seymour's scheming, but this is nothing in comparison to the crazy plots that Thomas Seymour seems to come up with. Mm. Even once people start to warn him that maybe he's getting a little, you know, off the beaten track, maybe getting a little dangerous, oh. Thomas. this doesn't stop him. Right, you so know. if anyone listening has seen the Tudors, uh, the the TV show The Tudors. Uh, Thomas is pretty true to that. He 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 gets bought off with a, bar- a barony. He gets a Lord Admiral. He becomes a la- an admiral. Uh, he gets a seat on the Privy Council from his brother. And uh, nope, that's not enough. Nope. Um, so he goes. He's got a couple of schemes, um, which uh, really blow up in his face because, like you say, they're really obvious and uh, everyone knows that they're happening. Mm-hmm. Um, he starts literally bribing king edward um, this is this this i find particularly amusing how do you control a king in their adulthood you would probably try and win them titles maybe try and win them lands or diplomatic victories how do you bribe a king when he's nine ten or eleven will you give him some more pocket money literally (laughs) in this case that the king has everything provided for him um, but one of the matters that the will failed to deal with and no one has dealed with, dealt with because he's the king and who, who would expect him not to have this? Um, it's not inconceivable to even think about. He doesn't actually have that much cash. Yeah. Like, so, so sorry. when uh, when Thomas Seymour comes along offering uh, small amounts of money through various people, of course, uh, mm-hmm. as for personal gifts, um, well, you know, Edward is is quite happy at this news. <laughs> but it it's not just this. Thomas also uh, approaches uh, Princess Elizabeth. And, oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, hang on, hang on. We're missing a bit. No, before he gets to Elizabeth, he approaches Catherine Parr. Yes. Right. He secretly marries Catherine Parr. This is Henry, His Henry last wife. widow, right? Um, and joins her household in secret. And by in secret, I mean most people knew or suspected, <laughs> but they didn't uh, 
openly um, talk about it. His, yeah. The head of household disapproved, actually. There's writing <laughs> about how uh, they really disapproved. But when, but the point where they really began to disapprove was uh, after he made Catherine Parr pregnant with uh, Mary Seymour, a poor child who probably died at two after being fostered, mm. um, he discovered Thomas... Uh, embracing Lady Elizabeth and uh, slapping her behind and entering her chamber in his underclothes. Elizabeth is is thirteen years old at this point. Yeah, it's not and exactly um, is, a normal is relationship. Already sleeping with her stepmother. Yeah, which is it, at least yeah, yeah. It's not a, it's not normal at all. No. Um, Catherine dies in childbirth. Seymour, Thomas Seymour, uh, tries to uh, keep wooing Elizabeth by letter, attempting to marry her at one point. Um, and it's at this point that the council and Edward crack, crack down on Edward him. Seymour, to be fair to him, writes to Thomas telling him, you're getting stop. out of line, stop, stop, before I have to do something about it. But Thomas does not. Uh, his plots continue and... Um, Edward is forced to, and the council are forced to take him to trial, and he is ultimately executed. Ah, well, well, not quite. Not quite, because this is another good example of uh, Tudor politics being particularly brutal. They don't take him to trial. They have, it, they have a uh, convening in front of the Privy Council, mm. um, uh, whereupon uh, King Edward um, testifies himself and uh, about the pocket money <laughs> and check, check testimonies, testif- testifies about how he um, uh, was asked to essentially deliver this bribe to King Edward. And uh, Seymour uh, testifies about how um, apparently Thomas was attempt- going to marry King Edward to Lady Jane Grey, um, which may indicate Edward's later reluctance to allow Jane Grey anywhere near the succession. Mm-hmm. Um, but the lack of clear evidence, because of only having biased witnesses, people like royal servants weren't mm-hmm. really considered witnesses, they only got trials in front of the Privy Council at this point, um, he was actually condemned by an act of attainder, which is a fancy mm. way of saying they didn't have enough evidence, but yeah. they think he did it anyway, so they're gonna kill him. Yeah, he is not given a, a, a normal trial. No, uh, not They don't all. want to risk the normal law courts, and yeah. uh, to be clear, at the time, the king had uh, two, at least two ways of going round the normal law courts. There was the court of requests, where uh, mm. often peasants could uh, bring uh, court cases who they against people who they thought uh, were probably too powerful for them to sue or they didn't have enough money themselves to to actually afford lawyers to uh, sue for them in, in court um, or and then there's also the court of star chamber which is mostly used to deal with political uh, enemies such as or, or di- uh, difficult people such as Thomas here um, yeah so being dragged in front of the king, or at least his privy council, is not an uncommon occurrence, but usually no. saved for the more powerful. And in the case of Thomas, yeah. although he is stupid, more he is still uh, he is still you know the brother of Edward Seymour, who is Lord Protector, and as we've mentioned, pretty powerful. <laughs> yeah. So he gets his head chopped off on the twentieth of March, fifteen forty nine. So to be clear, the reason the reason Seymour's facing this coup uh, after the rebellions isn't. So he he his hesitation causes uh significant problems in the Ket Rebellion. Um his brother is conspiring against him. 
um the queen's stepmother is also conspiring against him um mm-hmm. that uh not Catherine Parr, the other one um <laughs> uh he is losing the war with Scotland um, and probably with France well that's why he's losing the war with Scotland uh they start sending the France starts sending reinforcements um he's lost his chance to take the queen of Scots hostage uh she gets betrothed to the dauphin uh, at this point, and then uh, finally, um, in a sort of ra- book-ending way, um, where his uh, skillful defense of Boulogne, Sumer, uh, in 1546 was uh, the sort of beginning of this conflict, um, at the end of the conflict, the French attack Boulogne uh, in August 1549, and he can't fight a war on two fronts. No. He's already, uh, after Pinky, he's already garrisoned um, most of Scotland and spread yeah. his forces through there. When they attack Boulogne, he he has to withdraw his forces. So he's losing that war to both to both of England's uh, ancestral enemies. His mm-hmm. own brothers conspiring against him, and he has yeah. to have him executed. Um, the Cat Rebellion breaks out, and this brings us back to Edward because um, there's another rebellion that breaks out, and it breaks out at least indirectly because of Edward's own Protestantism. Yeah, the Prayer Book Rebellion. Indeed. Uh, the, the prayer book rebellion um, is, as the name suggests, mostly about the prayer book. Um, to, and to talk about the prayer book, we have to talk about the Church of England at this point. So the, the reforms now that Edward's in power have been proceeding apace, prompted predominantly by Thomas Cranmer, uh, that Archbishop of uh, Canterbury that we were talking about earlier. Um, and uh, one of those reforms, alongside... The number of number of them uh, in 1550 um, priests uh, become appointed by the government uh, rather than the church. Um, in 1549, an act of uniformity uh, means that the church now has one liturgy, um, and this is the prayer book. But before that, um, there's also uh, the abolishment of celibacy for priests happens during Edward's reign. Uh, the abolishment, the actual abolishment of the mass mm-hmm. as a as a thing uh, happens during this period um a large number of reformist bishops are rapidly made um and later on uh and this is why one of the reasons edward reign is actually important the second prayer book so spoiler alert the prayer book rebellion yeah it doesn't succeed um <laughs> uh, it removes the last con- connection uh between bread and wine and the presence of god so there's no transubstantiation in the protestant court officially um and uh it forms the foundations of the differences between the roman catholic and protestant churches mm-hmm. um in elizabeth's reign they literally copied the second prayer book they they just they just went okay we're going to bring that back into law yeah um which is why and mary found it so difficult but to bring us to the common prayer so cranmer 1549 um sets himself the task a very difficult task of writing a unified liturgy in English. Mm-hmm. Um, in English is an important point here, mm. uh, and this will be a, a touch point um, for for the rebellions. Uh, previously, uh, not only has the la- uh, mass been allowed to be said in Latin, uh, Gaelic as well uh, yes. was previously involved in the mass. Um, and uh, speaking as two people currently living in Cornwall, um, our own beloved county uh t- takes somewhat exception uh to this um well yeah 
linguistic it's, it's genocide. Said, it is said that turning the prayer book into English is like making it a Christmas game. Um, it's trivializing mm. uh, the mass and, and the service and, and the prayer book in general. Um, Although, to be clear again, it, as usual, the prayer book, the prayer book rebellion, isn't just about the prayer book. No, uh, the, the previous poll tax uh, about the the sheep on sheep is uh, significantly affecting Cornwall. Cornwall has a history of rebelling. Um, mm-hmm. In Henry VIII's uh, reign, there's something called the Cornish Uprising, um, which is uh, actually uh, the Prebut Rebellion is more bloody, but the Cornish Uprising takes longer and is lasted in the people's memory. Um, Cornwall is considered somewhat rebellious <laughs> by the government and the king, uh, yeah. quite, quite, quite reasonably, because it is. Um, it's a bit of a touch paper. Um, so the Book of the Common Prayer is. Uh, especially since Cranmer writes the first... The reason there's a second one is because the first one is somewhat of a compromise. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, It doesn't explicitly rule out transubstantiation, for instance, um, uh, the transfiguration of the, the bread and wine into the body of Christ. Um, and that means that traditionalists and reformers both don't like it, Yeah, um, which leads to conflict in the churches in in Cornwall, <laughs> yeah, uh, which prompts the prayer book rebellion, um, which the government responds to again with badly. brutal force. Well, yeah, but <laughs> eventually it, it, it escalates it to brutal force. They, yeah. they 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 send token efforts to compromise mm-hmm. and negotiate that are shot at. Yeah, it's a particularly good bit where some Devonian knights try to go into Cornwall, and uh, their their um, account talks about how they have faced uh, arrows from every conceivable angle. As as any Devonian should do when exactly. crossing the Tamar. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Frankly. Cross you cross the Tamar. You you. They don't <laughs> like it up, them, Captain Banner. <laughs> you know, we'll we'll teach them uh, what uh, goes what? on first: jam mm-hmm. or clotted cream. <laughs> um. So, and then the government, yeah, it escalates eventually to brutal force. So brutal, in fact, that the um. Earl of Arundel, uh, who we mentioned earlier, uh, you probably don't remember, but we did, um, um, refers to it. He had led the charge in the Battle of Pinkey, um, the the crushing victory uh, Seymour had over the Scots, and he referred to uh, the reprisals uh, in the Prebrook Rebellion as being even more brutal than that, and that comes from the person who led a mass cavalry charge against Scottish yeah. infantry. It, 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 it was it, not a good thing. No. The, the England is not England's finest hour by any means. Um, so yeah, so Seymour, um, he faces this sort of sudden collapse of... He, he has managed to bungle the handling of uh, several rebellions um, or and several wars. Yeah, so definitely... The wars were his fault. The rebellions, not so much, but... He's involved, but no, of course, he is somewhat at the mercy of events. But his handling is a certain amount of his fault. Mm. So he is in this position where the Privy Council basically is increasingly abandoning him, and at this point he starts to get desperate. He realises the situation, he realises the you know the that perhaps his protectorate is uh, threatened... At this point, he decides to make a rather rash move, and that rash move involves um, 
not maybe not quite kidnapping, but basically kidnapping the king. No, I think we can call it kidnapping. He it, ki- he takes he takes the king into his possession. Is how he it's takes described. the and he takes the king to Windsor Castle, um, yeah. which along I, I with some of his pretty, supporters um, in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, and issues a proclamation claiming that the Privy Council are a threat to the king, um, yeah. and that the Commons should. Uh, basically, rise up in arms against them, <laughs> which is really rich at this point from him, considering he yes. has taken the king. It's very much Richard the Third and children in the in the tower at this yeah. point. Uh, it, Edward, yeah. on the other hand, although he does seem to be aware that he is in some sort of trouble and danger, uh, is mostly concerned about his conditions. I, I believe he writes in his chronicle, "Methinks I am in prison." Yeah, yeah, that is, oh, that's an ex- <laughs> excellent quote. Uh, he, he's he's a bit obvious sometimes. Yeah, he may be intelligent, but <laughs> it's very typical of his writing. Um, um. <laughs> uh, he, he he does like to state the obvious again because he's writing more for pos- for posterity than uh, for his own or entertaining usage. Yeah. Um. In any case, uh, the Regency Council, um, those sixteen people and twelve men of council, um, promptly turn around and are like, mm, "No, actually, um, Seymour, you're responsible for the rebellions." Uh, yeah. uh, and uh, the will of the council is what matters. They they deliberately uh, make a point of stating that the will of the council is what matters rather than the will uh, of Henry, uh, the dead the dead king. Um, uh, which is a turning point in that previously they've not said that. And uh, there's some contention over whether or not Edward mediated. I think was it David Starkey. Yeah, it's an interesting point because Starkey says in his documentary on this that uh, he thinks that Edward is somehow involved in uh, in that he complains to see more about uh, the conditions uh, that he's being kept in at Windsor Castle and how his rooms are dank and cold and stuff because castles not exactly the lavish uh, palace rooms that Edward would have been used to. And to be uh, fair, he does complain. Yeah. But it's difficult to see how that is just as important as uh, the proclamations that the council issued to the commons who then they accept the Privy Council's word. So within uh, a short period of time, um, Seymour finds himself in the position of having less and less supporters and having more and more enemies rising, almost calling to arms and basically sitting outside Windsor Castle. Um Mm. He's not in a strong position, and he marshals Ed- some troops. But- whether Edwards, uh, whether Edwards has any role in in, in mediating is, is, I think, less relevant than the sit- political situation and so- the military situation. Yes, uh, he, he rapidly finds himself outnumbered and outgunned. Seymour tries to get help from uh, Lord Russell, who has been sent to deal with the private rebellions in Cornwall, um, but his veteran troops, he thinks, will be very useful against the rebellions, mm. which they would have been. But Russell comes back and sees the situation and, um, well, sides with, the, sides with the Privy Council. Yeah. <laughs> and Dudley, who is rapidly yeah. emerging as the uh, new sort of, not quite the same level as Seymour. He's working with the council rather than mm-hmm. as against or just in spite of the council. But he's rapidly beginning to uh, be the uh, winner in the sort of Game of Thrones that's going on between the traditionalist and reformist factions in the absence of Seymour. Yeah, the game is up, basically. Yeah. Seymour realizes this, uh, surrenders, Makes mm-hmm. the king's forgiveness. Mm-hmm. King throws him in the tower. 
He is not immediately <laughs> executed. He's not. He's not. Which is which, very surprising. Yes, it says a great deal for Edward's uh, relationship with him. And the Privy Council. And also perhaps the relationship with his father. Um, mm. uh, Seymour was a, a essentially a trusted general of Henry. Yeah. Um, and has been very strongly pro the kingdom. He He's of a line of people, and there's some other people we'll talk about that are very much in the idea that um, their, their aim, their political, ultimate political aim is uh, to unify um, a united kingdom, including mm-hmm. Scotland. Um, and oh, that, that old chestnut. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Seymour, Seymour ascribes to this political philosophy, or at least his writing seems to indicate he does. Whether or not he does that because he wants scotland or because he believes in a sort of ideal unified uh kingdom uh is completely up for debate i probably think i think he's more on the lines of pragmatically just wants scotland he is a pragmatic man Um. he is a very pragmatic man he's a military man he is a Mm -hmm. military man leading a country in a time when uh as dudley quickly recognizes um the military is bankrupting the country (laughs) yeah well Henry's reign ha- involved several wars, and Edwards continues some of those wars. And indeed, the England... dissolution of the Chantry was partially prompted by him running out of. Yeah, <laughs> and and so England and its uh, ruling classes are dominated by military men. Uh, Dudley is himself a general who's also served yep. in Scotland and in France, as was uh, Seymour. So he gets thrown in the towel. Um, mm-hmm. Seymour this is um, his brother's already executed Seymour gets thrown in the tower Dudley begins to emerge as the leader of the council um, and by emerge I mean Paget political survivor that he is uh, mm-hmm. it joins him tactically once he realises that Dudley is uh, pro-Protestantism and yeah. also interestingly uh, in terms of Paget he seems to be influenced by the fact that Dudley appeals directly to the king um, yeah. uh, in terms of policy and reform he believes in his religious uh standpoint paget seems more concerned about whether or not he's pro the emperor um so uh he's up against the religious conservatives uh in in the council like riothsley uh who has rejoined the council um riothsley is a horrible person um i don't say that lightly um <laughs> there's uh, a one point um prior to Edward's reign where Riothsley um, uh, tortures a Protestant lady, Anne Askew, um, who's the only woman on record as having been tortured in the Tower of London. There is a person who tortures people in the Tower of London. It's not Riothsley. (laughs) That person stops torturing her because he just can't anymore and runs Mm. to the king uh, to get his pardon, which he is granted. And uh, Riothsley carries on. Yeah, he's um some Not he's, a, nice he's a piece of work. work. Yeah. Um, um that said, he's also pro the empire, pro Catholic. Yes, yeah. he is Catholic uh, and a religious conservative. Um however, uh, Dudley is a, is a somewhat shrewd political manipulator, better mm-hmm. than Seymour in this regard. Uh Seymour uh just overruns the council he just ignores it basically uh Mm -hmm. he gets power at the beginning and ignores it for most of his reign uh dudley uses the council um he stacks it with reformists uh uses the ability to give out titles to um get people on his side um at one point riothsley tries quite hard to get seymour to admit to his crimes in the tower and Mm. confess that dudley was his accomplice Uh. uh Dudley responds with aplomb 
to this, he frees Seymour, <laughs> gets him back on the council, um, oh. albeit under Dudley, um, and uh, then promptly uh, gets Riothsley dismissed for the second time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, after trying to bribe him with the the, the dukedom of Southampton, but it <laughs> doesn't work. So Seymour, at this point, has fallen from being king in all but name to being locked in the tower, and then risen again from the ashes, now back on the council. In two years, we have seen sweeping reforms and revolts across the country mishandled but eventually crushed. The councillors play at politics like there is no tomorrow, but fate is a cruel mistress and time is running out for our boy king. <laughs>